Hi everyone, welcome to Game of Power. Today we have an extremely talented guest, Dennis Franklin. He's a DJ, music manager, creator of Level 3 Collective. He's also a student at Columbia. And so I'm extremely excited to have this conversation. Dennis, thanks for coming on the show. Of course, thanks for having me. It's cool. For sure. So I seen that you had a big event recently, but um, what have you been up to lately? Um, you've been working on? Yeah, so I've only been back in New York uh, for like the last month or two. Um, I did a study abroad semester in London, um, which was incredible. I think it was like a really just eye-opening experience for me to just see the other, you know, DJ cultures and and just music scenes around the world through that. Um, but since I've been back in New York, I've had, I think, three or four sets now. Um, all super fun. I think that I've like really completely changed the way that I've kind of approached DJing now to a much more um, intentional experience for myself rather than just kind of going in and playing a ton of stuff that I know. Because um, I think that it just gives me a challenge every time that I go in and try to do stuff. So I've been working on that. Um, we had our first level three event when I got back on the 28th. Um, and that was super fun. Had a ton of people come out and we did it in like a, you know, boiler room format. And I thought that was a really great experience just to be able to, um, just to be able to have that everything like focused on the DJ. So we had six come in, which was super fun. Um, then after that, did a couple week events. Um, one at New Blue with my boy Elias. Um, and that was really cool. And then, uh, at, with Bowery Showroom on Saturday, uh, and that was with Ice Spice, which was interesting. <laughs> definitely an interesting event um but yeah now going forward i'm kind of just looking to continue to do more events we're looking to have another saturday sessions for level three probably next month and then um from there just continuing to go on trying to travel a ton and you know we'll see sweet sweet so when we met you had just started level three you were doing a lot of you know more fashion videography and stuff like that what got you into DJing like in the first place um in the very beginning I was DJing uh or I, I was a part of the Sprat um at Columbia for uh, and only ended up being like a semester and a half um but in the beginning I was in it and while I was like rushing and everything we'd be invited to these places and you know there'd be always this one person it, it always changed every party but there'd always be one person standing on this table because for some reason the aux cord like came out of the side of the wall. So somebody would be standing on the table, plug their phone in and would have to like turn sideways. Cause it was one of those cords that didn't really work. If you really just plugged it in, you had to like bend it a little bit to make it work. <laughs> and then people would, you, they'd be start dong and they'd be playing like party in the USA. And then 30 seconds in after the chorus went, they just changed the song and now they'd be playing like love Sosa or something completely different vibes, always switching. And people would, I was just noticing, like, as an observer in the party, that every time this ch song would change, people would have to readjust themselves to what was going on because it would be a completely new vibe. And that it would it, every single time the song switched, it would be like a check-in almost, where it would be like, do I want to keep staying? Am I having fun? Or do I want to leave? So you'd see these waves come in and out every mm -hmm. single time the song changed. And I didn't really – and that's, like, how most parties are. But I really don't like – that's, like, one of my pet peeves is having no flow in music. Like, I'd always been into playlists and stuff and always really appreciated um, when songs could go from one to the other and they'd really have, like, some sort of identifier between the two. Um, so I decided mm -hmm. I wanted to take it upon myself to try to change that kind of landscape. So I, I – over winter break in that year, I went into my room at home and bought a little $150 controller, the Newmark Party Mix, and just started – you know, just like pressing a ton of buttons. I watched one YouTube video and then told myself, all right, I'm going to figure it all out from here. So then I just started bringing in a ton of songs that I knew and trying to mix them and stuff. Um, Kate Trinata has always been a super big influence of mine. So I, I used a lot of his like songs early on to try to um, understand the mixing process. Um, and eventually I started to really understand it. So then I just started doing all the parties for Columbia or for our frat um, on campus. And then we got COVID happened. So then we obviously left and the frat kind of fell apart after that so then I, I decided to just kind of continue on my own so I didn't DJ for probably a year and a half after that and then um, this two summers ago um, I was working in finance with a ton of other kids and one of our good friends had on this, this apartment on 107th street and uh, and uh, Columbus and 
they told us they wanted to have a party. So I, and the frat was only, you know, 10 blocks away. So we, um, I went over to the frat, grabbed all the speakers. There are these three huge ones and then went and bought an amp. We brought them over to the apartment, put them on some stands and then just told everybody we knew to tell everybody they know to tell everybody they know a completely open free party. And that same night we had probably 200, 220 people in the spot. Um, I think you were there actually at the, I don't know if you were there at the first one. Yeah. You, I know you were there at a good amount of them, but we had like a ton of people in the spot for that first one. And I, that was the first time I had DJed in, in a while, but people really loved it. So then I just kept going every weekend. We'd go back to that same spot and I, whether it was for like a pregame or an after thing. And I'd just go in there and start DJing. And then I kind of just started becoming known as like a DJ. And I didn't think about it at the time. But then, you know, we started doing it. We did one event at Space 54 that was like an open bar. And I DJed that and had a really good time. So then I decided I wanted to kind of start going into the clubs, get in. And then I, from there, it was kind of a domino effect. I got into one and then continued to get into others by telling them what I had already done. And it kind of built up this resume of DJing experiences and Obviously, I look back and it's been a while, but it's it's pretty interesting because it's like uh, each each little uh, there's the, each of these little moments is like a small success, but like aggregated together, they just create so much momentum for me, like going forward. So it's been cool to see the process in the last few years. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely, and that's that's so important. How you really started small, you started you know at that party, and you just kept going and kept yeah. stacking your skills and like. A lot of people see you now, you know, DJing for Bowery Showroom and Ice Spice, but it's like there was a process. There was, you know, a two-year period in the middle of that. Talk to me about, you know, you talked about being starting out with music that you like, but now being more intentional. What is the mindset? What's the process of a DJ when you're booked for an event? Like, what's going through your mind, and how have you evolved as a DJ? One thing, like I was saying, when I was in London, I noticed, like, there, I think London is really cool because you're in the center of every music culture that exists in the world. So, you know, you have, you have the, um, like the U.S. influence is huge everywhere, obviously. So you have all of that influence, whether it's rap, pop, whatever. Then you have all of Eastern Europe with all of its techno and house and all of that stuff, drum and bass, jungle, whatever. Then you go south and you have all of the African influence from the Afro house and the Ama piano and the Afro beats and everything like that. And then London itself has the UK funky and the and the garage and the, all of that stuff. So it's like all of these different cultures just put it right into the middle. And one thing I noticed there is like it's just such an expansive – every DJ who's in London plays such an expansive range of genres during their sets. And I think that that's something you don't find as much like in New York. I think it depends – depending on where you go, it's going to be like strictly hip-hop or strictly house or strictly R&B, whatever. Um, and one thing I, one thing that I, I know, like I used to do a lot is I used to kind of just have like a big bank of library. Like, for example, when I started going to 107, the first, I remember the first night of the party, I had to go down to, um, before the party, I had to go down to a guitar center to go grab a ton of XLR cables for my speakers. And on the way there in the Uber, I was like, just frantically looking up songs that I could remember, like going through all my playlists and being like, oh, that would be good. That would be good. That would be good. With no like intention behind exactly what why I wanted to play it. It was more just like, this is a good song. People will probably like it. And I'll just like figure out how to mix it in on the fly. Um, and that's how, that's how I kind of approach like the majority of uh, my DJ career, especially in the first year of like, I just have this big bank of li- of songs in my library that I knew and I knew people knew. And then on the fly, like while I was in the set, I would just like play whatever I felt was comfortable, but I never intentionally like playing out a set beforehand. Um, and what one one thing I realized about that is like when you go into a club and you're just playing like a ton of hits and stuff that people know already, you're not really necessarily a DJ as much as you are just an ox who happens to know how to mix. So you're you're very like replaceable in that sense. Like I go into the Jane or something and play a set that any other DJ who's been at the Jane could have played. Like what was the point? The only point of me being there is for the clout. Like and that's cool or whatever. But like to me at this point, I'm not like so interested in the cloud as much as I am like interested in people seeing exactly what I have to offer skill wise. And I think that that's become like my priority now is making sure that every set that I do, I'm introducing people to completely new sounds that they would have never heard otherwise had they not come to my set specifically. So it's not like somebody could have walked in off the street and been like, oh, this was a good night, but they don't remember me. They just remember like, oh yeah, the music was good in that club. And I think that that's the association that a lot of people have in New York is like, you know, 
oh, I like pianos because they have good music. And it's like, it's not them who has good. If they, if you're saying they have good music, you're implying that any DJ who goes in there is going to be playing what you happen to like. And I think that that like creates all of these, that creates like a disconnect between the actual DJ experience and like what you're bringing to the table. Um, I think that people should be wanting to come out for the new things that you are playing rather than like, just, oh, he happens to play, he plays Alicia Keys, I like Alicia Keys, or he plays Bad Bunny or whatever. Like, I don't think that that's as interesting to me as, as it is of, like, yeah, he played the, like, I was Shazam songs that he played because they were so cool. Like, I, I like to find that balance between stuff that people like and then, like, introducing them to something new because that's really hard in New York, but I think that's, like, kind of the balance you got to find as a DJ because then it makes you so much more unique than just somebody who can just play every top 40 hit in the world you know that makes a lot of sense and i never even thought about it that way in terms of you're kind of saying instead of coming to hear the stuff you like like now people are coming for you and like that's a that's a difference that that i didn't even consider previously that's interesting so tell me oh yeah i was just gonna say i think that's like the key differentiators like you don't want to be if i ever go like from uh my mindset now is like whenever I go to a club basically or anywhere that I play I don't want to play the same thing that any other DJ could have gone in and played if I do that then I have not gained anything personally from that experience everyone may have had a great time and they're gonna come back to the set whatever but like me personally I want to be able to grow every single time so then I can show people like here's something new like you see all the biggest DJs right now like Fred again had a show last night right and he had a, he, they put the show online to sell at like 12 o'clock and it sold out in 20 minutes. And like, the reason that that happens is not because he plays Kanye West and, and future all day. Like he plays things that nobody else would have ever heard had they not gone to a Fred again show. So everybody who did go to that show will know something that he pl- will have an experience of something that he played that nobody else in New York could have experienced just sitting on the couch. You know what I'm saying? Um, so I think like that's the key is to give everybody a very unique experience every time they go out. So then they know like when I, they know that when they go see Dennis Free or whatever, this is going to be a very unique type of experience that's different from other DJs. And it seems like in the process of the last few years, you had to have developed your own, you know, style, your own, you know, this is Dennis Free. I feel like, you know, there's a, there's a long process of discovering that you kind of, you know, start as a dreamer where you like like music and then you start kind of getting into your own taste. You start looking at other people, even like me in business or stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You can look at other people as inspiration, start gathering up some of their frameworks. And then you kind of start remixing and going on your own frameworks and testing those out and pushing like that. How has your process been to get to a point where, you know, you've kind of been able to more so find your specific sound. I think the biggest thing is confidence. Like having confidence as a DJ is super important because if you don't, then you just revert back to everything. That, Like, for example, I have like a 12 song, uh, 12 song stretch of like early 2000s stuff from Kanye to Chris Brown to, to you know, T-Pain and all that. And there's a stretch of like 12 to 14 songs that I know for a hundred percent fact that if I play those songs in that order, because I know how to mix them super well, I know everything that's going to happen. The crowd, whatever crowd it is, will go absolutely crazy. So it's like a backup plan that I always have. I'm like, I'll test some new stuff out, but if this doesn't work, then I'll revert back to this and I'll have them on their feet the rest of the night. And like, that's cool that I have that, but Oftentimes when I would use that a lot, it would be because I didn't have enough confidence to like really go into some other genre that I don't know necessarily if they're going to be into. Like when I first got to London, for example, I was I was starting to really get into Alma Piano, but I didn't have enough of the I didn't have enough of it in my like catalog to be able to just continue to play it all night. So I could only play like one, two songs that I really knew would stick with people. And and then I would revert back to this, like, and be like, oh, my God, you're an amazing DJ, whatever, which is cool. But then, like, in my mind, I'm like, I didn't do what I wanted to do that night because it wasn't like it wasn't um, it wasn't as experimental as I'd want it to be. Um, so I think in developing my sound and everything, I tried to 
like every time I go, I try to just test myself and test myself to play things that I normally would not play to adjust the crowd to be like, okay, when you go, when you come and see this guy, he's not going to play things that you know necessarily. He's going to play things that you don't know, but that's something you just have to buy into. And that's taken a while because at first you have to be trusted as a DJ that you're just going to be playing good things at all. Like when I first started playing at 107, there was no way that I was going to go play some like some like uh, UK garage or something. Like people would just not be attuned into it because it was, I'm like some random guy who's just DJing and all of a sudden I'm playing this random stuff. Like they have to be, you have to build that trust between the people who are watching and yourself of like, I'm going to take you in a different direction. And this may not be a, this may be a direction you've never heard before or unfamiliar with, but I, if you trust, I think you're going to have a good time. That's kind of the mindset I go in with. It seems like you consistently put yourself in challenging positions, right? And like you said, like testing out new things, pushing forward, seeing if stuff works. It's, it's all kind of experimentation and it goes into a lot of the different things that you have done over the mm. last few years. Tell me about where that started, like, as a kid, what moment as a kid or what thing from your past kind of led you to consistently try new things, whether it's videography, music management, DJ, you know, starting new things. Like, what, how did this all kind of start for you? I think this simple for me when my, when I was, like, eight years old, I was, uh, I was trying to go to a new, I was like thinking about going to this, me and my family were thinking about going to this new school and it was like a much harder school or something. And I was also like getting into playing ice hockey and I was getting to be a big thing. And I was trying out for all these new teams and my, I was getting super scared. And my dad was like, you should never be afraid to fail because at the end of the day, the worst that could happen is you have to come home and you sleep on our couch. Like no matter where you, whether you're whether you're young and you're in high school and whatever, and something doesn't work out well, or whether you're a full time have a full time job and all of a sudden like you can't do as well as you thought you could. Like there is no the worst downside is that you have to come back home and that's like nothing else can happen. So everything that you do, you should try, 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 and if it if it messes up, oh well, there's always another day. And I think that's kind of the mindset I keep through all of this stuff. So, like, whenever I go to new places and have new sets, I'm like, the downside risk is so minimal because at the end of the day, I'm still getting the exposure of playing at this spot. And and then I can go, if it doesn't go well, like, whatever, I move on. And I still got the experience. And I can think about it as, like, a practice session, I suppose. Um, or, like, when I'm, you know, when I when I started in management, like, with, uh, black hibiscus like that's been a cool process i've never managed before but i just felt confident enough to where i have all these things going and like the worst that we're both in it together like he's never tried to really push himself in music either so we're both kind of just coming up at the same time like worst that can happen is it doesn't work and we had a great experience from it and learned a lot so i think that like going in with the thinking about what you could gain from it and like the progress that you build from all of these things it makes it so much easier to just buy into trying out new my big motto right now is just having consistent progress because I think like as I said before as each of these little steps that you take like the aggregation of all of those makes huge differences in what you're doing like I hear a lot of people people will come will like be talking to me all the time who I haven't seen in a while and be like you know your Instagram like I've seen everything you're doing on Instagram and stuff like it seems so cool and like to me when I look at my Instagram I feel like nothing has changed like I feel like I'm not doing enough but then I don't think about it from the standpoint of like over the last two years, it's been like such huge progress. So I think that kind of just small, keeping those small steps and continuing to put myself into new opportunities and knowing that like the downside is so minimal, I think has just been key to me continuing to grow um, through the last couple of years. A hundred percent. And I, I couldn't agree more. And I feel like for both of us, we are business students, you at, Columbia, correct, and me at mm -hmm. NYU, and it would be easy for us to go down that that pathway that a lot of the people around us are doing. So kind of talk to me about getting to Columbia and going to business school and how that has led you to doing what you're doing now. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I went to boarding school for high school, which is a crazy experience in and of itself, but um, while I was there, I was... Uh, 
always interested in like I didn't really I didn't think much about Ivy Leagues I was actually mostly interested in going to play hockey because that was why I went to boarding school I was going looking to go play hockey um in college um and then I got uh, an offer from Hamilton and and Amherst but they wanted me to play like a ton of years of juniors which is these leagues between high school and college where you have to go for like a year or two to play to develop all your strength and whatnot and I honestly didn't want to do that because I had already repeated a year when I went to boarding school. So it was like I'd have to take a ton of more, a couple more years and then I'd be like 21 as a freshman, which I thought was just ridiculous. So I um, applied to like I ended up applying to like 18 schools, regular decision. And I was just like putting my hat in everywhere. I was just like, well, if something happens, something happens. If not, like I'll go play juniors, whatever, and it'll be fine still. Um, and I got into Columbia and I was like, wow. I'd rather I was just in the middle of nowhere for four for three years. Like I might as well try to go. So I thought Columbia was like a perfect option for that. Um, so when I got here, I was very interested in like econ and finance and was really going in that direction. Um, but then, yeah, once I got, I basically had these opportunities through work to interact with a lot of labels and ended up getting a job at 300 entertainment and realized like it's a really cool industry to be a part of so I love the 300 team worked there for like a semester then I went to RCA which is where I am now um on the A&R side and that's been pretty interesting just being like being able to do artist research and looking for new artists and that's brought me like to a ton of different places around the country to just meet people um so yeah since then it's been like very music focused and and I haven't really looked back I suppose um and now trying to figure out like where I want to position myself like for full time and everything, but that's like a whole nother conversation down the line. But um, yeah, now I'm just kind of setting my sights on what I want to do after graduation and whatnot. So I, I'm in the same place, and I feel like mm-hmm. I think a lot of people are pretty just like stressed out about that whole process. I mean, especially when you know you could do a lot of different things and your path isn't certain. It's kind of hard, but I feel like uncertainty is one of you know the best things that we have to learn how to be comfortable with and I feel like you know Mm -hmm. just making sure that you're still you know building brick by brick and focusing on that like feel like opportunities will end up opening themselves up in in any type of way talk to me a little bit about Columbia Uh, a lot of people are I got into NYU yesterday four years ago today um, oh, and I like think yesterday. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought I thought that was interesting. Uh, so I'm guessing a lot of kids are getting into Colombian Colombia now. Talk to me or give them a little bit of advice about how it's like going to Colombia. Uh, what your experience has been there, uh, life, classes, you know, just kind of the overall experience moving to New York City and going to such a elite university. Yeah, I mean, academic. <clears throat> a crazy place to be at like everybody is ridiculously smart no matter who they are and I think that just creates like really cool conversations in the classroom and really interesting uh dynamics between peers just with with uh like it's kind of like a puzzle because everybody comes from these super different places and then they can all provide like different types of information to a given topic so you kind of have like a mix of just everything you get a much fuller picture than you would if you were to just analyze like some specific concepts on your own. So I think that's really cool. Um, from a social perspective, I think Columbia is super independent in that you have a lot of people have their core, you know, four to five friends. And then outside of that, they kind of don't really know that many other people on campus. Um, from like a, and it, and it makes sense because I mean, we're in the biggest city like in the US, like you all, uh, after school you I mean there's always stuff going on on campus of course but it's like when there's it on a Friday night yes you could go to a frat party or a or like a dorm thing but then there's also people who are going downtown to huge clubs and and stuff like that so it's like you have the the social life is not just Columbia campus it's like all of New York City and I think that's obviously goes the same even more so for NYU um, but because of that people during the day are like super independent kind of doing their own thing and then they kind of link up with their friends at night and then figure that stuff out um so it's i wouldn't say it's as much of like a experience like a a big state school where everything that you do is kind of within the campus boundaries um most of what you do is honestly not if you take advantage of new york city most of the stuff that you'll do is not within the campus boundaries um 
which I think is like a, honestly a great benefit despite the lack of school spirit, I suppose. <laughs> I feel that. I feel like, and even more so, the independence thing in New York City has been kind of the, the biggest thing, especially us getting here at such a young age and, you know, from 18 to 21, kind of navigating yeah. that is definitely, at least for me, allowed me to really, like, hone in on what are my fears, what are my desires, like, what do I feel like my purpose is, what do I want to do in the future, like, I had no, I, I didn't know anyone coming into NYU, so I definitely feel like that has been a process. Talk to me about, I have a, I have a very, like, interesting question for you. What is something about yourself that you have recently learned, something that maybe you didn't know before, but you recently learned about yourself and that's been able to, you know, make some type of dramatic change in your life? Um, hmm, that I've recently learned about myself. That is a good question. I'd say, um, I mean, other people probably realized it about me before I realized it about myself, but I feel like I like to talk to, I really love meeting new people, like, more than anything. Um, and I didn't think that before because, because I was often like just put into settings where I had to meet people, but I wasn't like actively going out and trying to meet people. But I've noted while I was in London, especially like I had, I didn't know any, I just went there not knowing anybody except like Lonnie, my roommate and and our other, um, good friends. So we, we didn't have that many people to like communicate with on a daily basis. So we were living in East London and, um, we were in this, uh, near this area called Shoreditch, which is like equivalent of Lower East Side in London, basically. Um, so there's all these thrift shops and basically the same kind of setup, like very grungy and all these shops all over the place. And I'd basically just go there every day after class and just go into a shop and start talking with the owners there. Um, cause my whole goal when I went to London was like, I need to get some sets. Like I want to be able to show what I got out here where like DJing is everything to the, to the culture. And, the way I basically ended up trying to do that was just meeting a ton of people in these shops. And like, I built some super cool relationships with people who are all over and ended up getting some sets through that. And like, now those are definitely lifelong relationships that I'll have um, with them. And every time I go back to London, I'll, I'll be making sure to make my stops there. And I think that that I and my friends were always telling me like, all he wants to do is just meet people, meet people, meet people. And I think that, and they were like, it's saying it in a joking way, but then I realized like, that's kind of what's allowed me to get as far as I've gotten, I suppose, since now. Cause I think that it's been cool to just be in these settings where I'm like, have nothing in common with, with people necessarily, but like we can connect over, over just very little things. Um, and I think that that's like pretty cool just to be able to do that no matter where you are in the world or in the country and whatever. And since I've gotten back from London, I've tried to kind of take that same mentality and do that in New York as well, because um, I think New York is a great place to just be able to run into random people and have conversations. So um, it's not like really a big thing that I've realized, but I think that it's just something that I've realized is very important to my uh, to my progress through different stages. And like that goes into the overall networking type of um, overall concept of like networking. But I think that doing it on more of like a just friendly level of just meeting people just to meet them. I think is also super important just because that kind of gives you a better perspective of where you are relative to other people and how, and like other people's stories and how you can take kind of pieces of what they've learned about life and apply it to your own life and whatnot. So I think that's pretty cool. That's a fantastic answer. And I feel like that's super important in terms of continuing to even just learn from other people. Like there's a lot Mm -hmm. of different ways you can learn. You can learn by doing, you can learn by reading. I think, just speaking with people, even me speaking to you right now, like just picking your brain about your process and different things. I feel like there's a lot that we all have to learn. And I feel like one thing that's interesting even about this is why I started the podcast in the first place is because it gives you a chance to even peel back a few layers and really Mm -hmm. have a set time where like I can sit with you here for an hour and just pick your brain and see what you're working on, see what you're inspired by, see, you know, what, problems or things that you face that have been roadblocks and just kind of keep learning and and find different ways to apply that to my situation and try to you know grow myself as a person so I feel like that's that's a key uh element that you that you talked about absolutely absolutely 
So tell me a little bit about some of the struggles that you've had in the process of maybe DJing or videography or over the last few years and how you've kind of gotten over that and, and kept pushing when, when times got a little down. With DJing, um, it's just a constant struggle mentally. It's like a very heavy mental game because you always are comparing yourself to people like, and I, and I can't help, like, it's, everyone is like, you shouldn't compare yourself to other people, but it's like very hard to do it, especially when you're like, my entire TikTok feed is just DJs like all over the world. Like every time I go on TikTok, I just see all these people doing mixes and this and that. And they, I see they get like a hundred thousand likes for something that I feel like I could have done too. And then I'm, then I go post something and only gets like five likes and I'm like, Oh my God. So it's like all of these problems where I, where I, uh, I oftentimes just have this, like, I, I put myself in categories with other DJs that I, that I have interacted with or, or see on social media. And I'm like, now this is my competitive set. And I think that that like definitely causes a lot of um, mental anxiety of where I am or or like how fast I'm progressing. Um, And I think it, I'll be like, Oh, I didn't get that person got that set. Like, Oh, I need to go get another set or something like that. And I think it's both helpful and it's a big struggle, but I think it's also helpful because it puts myself, it gives me something to like look at, to push towards. Cause I think that in a place like, like if I'm playing a sport, for example, I can be like, all right, I didn't get to the championship. I'm going to get to the, I'm going to get, I'm going to beat this team next year. Like there's a very specific thing that you can do to say, to give all these checkpoints. And like in DJing, it's really just like what sets you're offered. Um, but getting a set, it's not like you have this thing on the schedule every year and you can just do better every time. Like you have to go out and go get that set and make things happen. Um, so I think because of that, it puts me in a position where I'm just always like hungry for the next thing, no matter where I am. Like I did this, uh, this set the other day, the, with the, with Bowery showroom, my spice and, and everything like, and it was really cool. But at the same time, like right afterwards, I was like, all right, I need to go do something. Like I needed the next thing. Like what's the next thing after that? It's always like, you're kind of this, uh, it's like a, this ladder that you, every time you get to a place, you stop yourself and you're like, all right that was cool. I'm going to pat myself on the back for a second, but now I need to like get to the, there's another level I need to get to constantly. Um, so I kind of look at it in a positive way, but it definitely has been hard like mentally. Cause I'll just be thinking about it. Like I'll wake up in the middle of the night and be like, Oh my God, why didn't I do that transition? Or like some really specific thing in my set that probably nobody in the world will ever notice or has ever noticed. But to me, it's like so important to just be, have this like perfectionist, mindset about it that I just will start going crazy about it but I don't think it's like it's not it's not that major it's kind of something that I just will be dealing with for a while just because of the nature of the of the uh of the of DJing I suppose I completely see where you're coming from and it's something that I tell myself consistently like not to do like compare yourself to you know Mm -hmm. other people in the game and I feel like whereas basketball or ice hockey is a game where you're playing against somebody else. I feel like, you know, business and artistry and craft is a game that you're playing against yourself, really. And you are, you I feel are, like, absolutely. I feel like um one two things that even though I'm inspired by other people, I try to tell myself when I'm, you know, looking at them is they're just on a different page of the book than I am right now. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like they mm-hmm. they have have gone through the different things that I'm going through right now, and not only that, but each person is their own like is has their own specific talents and their own specific gifts yep. and their own specific opportunities. So it's like what what you were able to what you are able to do is completely different than what they're able to do, and that's the perfect part about you being you. So mm-hmm. I definitely understand what you're saying in terms of comparing yourself, even for me, to other people in business. But I feel like it's the constant reminder of, okay, I can be inspired by them, but let yep. me compare myself to the person I was yesterday and make sure that I'm getting smarter, I'm getting stronger, I'm getting, you know, more, just more, mm-hmm. just growing every single day by by constant improvement. So I definitely see where you're coming from, and I definitely think it's a it's a very good thing, but it's also, you know, it, it goes both ways for sure. Yeah, no, that's why I think that um, my kind of motto of just having consistent progress is super helpful too because then it's like 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 you were saying the biggest competitor of yourself is yourself so i think that like this 
thinking about just being better every time than I was last time, I think is super important for me. Um, and will continue to be because I think that gives me the most satisfaction of like knowing that I'm actually progressing. Um, so yeah. 100%. And I feel like another uh, question I have for you is one thing that you said was very interesting was DJing is about confidence. And I feel like confidence is in any type of craft is super important. And I feel like you have to build confidence. And I feel like there are tangible ways for you to do that in terms of things you can do, like working out or, you know, learning and, and you know, doing mm-hmm. work every day. Um, talk to me about how you kind of go about that process of being confident, being consistent, you know what I mean? And prioritizing growth, maybe some technical things that you have implied into your life that helped you, you know, get that way. Um, I think getting a lot of reps at whatever I'm doing is like really important for me because then it just gives you like with DJing when I first start, when I really started getting into the clubs, like last year, I would make sure to set myself up to where I was doing like Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Saturday night, Sunday night. And I'd go all four of those nights every single week. I did that for like three months and I was exhausted every single week. But like, I knew I'm going to be better than yesterday, better than yesterday, better than yesterday, better than yesterday. And then every time I could understand like what would make the crowd move, what would, how, like how to adjust to a crowd that you may have never played for before. And it was like consistently just picking up little things that to other people may not have meant anything. But to me, I was like, this is going to be a key difference in how this set is going to go tonight. Because I play for, like, so many different types of crowds. Like, the crowd in every club is so <clears throat> drastically different when it comes down to what they collectively will move to. Like, in pianos, for example, if I go upstairs, I could play Afro beats for three hours, and I know that it's going to just go crazy. Um, so then within that, I can then take that idea of, like, all right, I can play Afro beats, and it's going to go crazy. Then expand it to I'll move into a lot of I'm a piano and I'll try songs since I know that they love Afrobeats, they're not necessarily going to care about like specific, like top hit songs. I could play stuff that they've never heard before. And then I can start introducing and introducing to more and more stuff. That's like kind of off the wall. Whereas at a space like the Jane or something like the Jane has a, such a crazy diverse crowd of like, you have all these young kids that are our age who all want to listen to, who may want to listen to rap, half want to listen to house, half want to listen to like whatever. And then there's like older people who are may have be hotel hotel patrons who just want to hear like nothing. And then there's other people who have only ever the only other club they've been into New York is like Phoebe, so they just want to hear like <laughs> Taylor Swift and and Miley Cyrus. So then I have to find like a little bridged gap between the two because as much as I do like to introduce stuff to new people, there are certain settings where it's like you literally as much as you try it's better to just go with the flow, which is why I've like tried to kind of switch my, um, uh, switch my um, overall framework of where exact being very selective of where I want to play, because I don't want to be playing in places where I have to adapt to, to what the crowd wants. Cause I think that that then again, takes away, it makes me a replaceable DJ of where anybody could have gone in and done the same thing. Um, gotcha. So I, but in those spaces, like, you just have to think a lot of, like, what do I want to play that can mix between all these crowds that people will still be able to vibe with. And that's, like, a very – it's, like, an equation. It's a very hard thing to figure out. But, like, having all of those reps every single time, every single time was, like, super helpful because then when I go in, I can be like, all right, these songs I think would work. These songs maybe not because of all these other experiences I've had with that, basically. That makes sense. Tell me about, yeah. like, you see the party from a completely different lens than people that are going. So, kind of tell me about, like, interesting, funny, like, things that you see just over the course of time going in all of these different spaces. Like, what what is interested you in terms of the I mean, people it, there and shit like that? Yeah, it's actually funny. Like, I've found, it's funny because when I was in high school, like, I, I used to, whenever there would be parties, like, I'd be the big dancer, like, I'd go into the middle and start breaking out every, uh, that was when, like, I'd be doing the whip and the nae-nae and the, and the doggy, all that, like, I was good at all of that stuff, and then when I started DJing, like, I, my, 
entire dance catalog of moves just came to a bounce like this. That's all I would do because I'd be DJing the whole time. So now it's funny because when I go out into like when I if I go out ever and I'm not DJing, I literally have no idea what to do with myself because I'll just be standing against the wall and I'll oftentimes just go near the DJ and just see what they're doing and start like start critiquing on my own or like trying to learn something from them. Um, but while I'm DJing, it's definitely interesting because I feel like people don't think of me as like a, it, when I'm, especially when I'm DJing and it's a more like calm setting or it's like later in the night, people don't even think of me as like a person. Like I'm, I'm the, I'm just like a, like a music box, but they can do whatever they want. So people will start like wilding out in front of me, like not even thinking about the fact that I'm standing right there. Like I remember the first, the first 107 parties, one of my boys like started getting with this girl on the couch that was just like right next to me and they was like on top of each other and everything and I was like okay and now like, I don't really know what to do in that situation but I'm just gonna keep playing my music like just focus on yeah. myself um but a lot of times yeah I'll be in the in the clubs and people just start walling out like asking me asking me different questions or um I always will if I ever like right after I do a transition I usually have like you know 30 seconds to a minute to just kind of relax for a second and oftentimes I'll just kind of look around the crowd and just people watch and try to make up stories in my head about what people are talking about because I can never hear anybody um so it's I think that's cool too and I think it's 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 like creating a um it creates like a fun way to just pass the time for me if I'm ever playing something that I'm like not as interested in I can just like look at the crowd and just start making stuff up in my head which is pretty fun um that's so yeah I, I wouldn't say there's any like crazy Cause that's the thing is when I, especially now that I'm, um, uh, I, there's a lot of like, right after I do a transition, I oftentimes will immediately look down and look for the next song. Cause I'm very, I like, I always like will second guess myself and thinking what song I want to play. And then I'll just go in like a debate in my head of, should I play that? Or should I play that? And that'll like distract me from everything else that's going on. So then people will try to come up to me and be like, Oh, Dennis, what's up? What's up? And then I'll literally have to look up for 0.2 seconds and identify who that person is and be like, Yo, what's up? And I got to literally just go back yeah, and lock in. And I always feel bad because I'm, because I feel like people think I'm just like, don't care, or don't know who they are or something. And I like do, but I'm just so like, I my main priority in everything is just like focused on this controller and trying to figure out what to do. Um, cause at the end of the day, if nothing ends up playing, then I'm the one who's going to be at fault for that. So, um, thinking about it like a job is like super important to me as well, I guess. Facts, facts. Well, we're, well, let's wrap up pretty soon. I'm going to ask you kind of more of a speed round of questions. Um, just cause sure. we, we both got to go soon. My first question is what is Saturday sessions and like, just kind of plug what you've been working on with that. Saturday sessions is something I started in August. Um, I basically just wanted to have a place and it was started on SoundCloud, just a place where I could post like frequent mixes that I was doing. Um, cause I hadn't before that first one came out, I hadn't, um, put any of my like record. I'd been DJing for a while, but I had never, I hadn't recorded a mix since like freshman year, honestly. Um, which was like, I thought to myself, I was like, that's so stupid. Like, why would you not post your mixes? So then I decided to post the first one and then I can just consistently try to keep going with that. And I try to make each of them kind of themed in a certain way. So like the first one I did was mostly like house and uh, like, or mostly house and uh, it was like a lot of Afro beats as well. Then the second one I did was a uh, um, at my house and there was a, vi we did a video for it as well. And it was, it was with my boy Dior Dova. And he's a big airbrusher, so he does mm -hmm. airbrush T-shirts on, like, everything. And I basically had him, we were in my backyard, and he was sitting in the back airbrushing all these T-shirts that we hung up on a line, like, going across. And then I was just mixing Afro House in the front. And then we just had, a, like, a nice little vibe going. We had wine and everything. And it was just kind of creating, like, a nice aesthetic for it. And then the third one I did was for, uh, what was the third one? It was, um, oh, the third one that I did, I believe, was... Um, I'm tripping. I don't even know. <laughs> one of the, I think one of I one of them I did in London with uh my boy Jackson Homer, who's an incredible producer, and we did a B two B for that in a studio. And then, I once I got back to New York, I was like, we should just make this a party series because I think that having you know that DJ centric 
environment makes people focus much more on the music as opposed to just making it like a social setting. And I think that that's like one thing a lot of the clubs in New York have is like you go in, but you're not necessarily focused on the music as much as you are trying to go raise up some girl or something. And I think that like having it more focused on the experience of like a concert, I guess, in DJ format, I think it's cool. Um, so then we did the first one there. And now just looking to do kind of become more frequent with it, like once once a month or once every month and a half to just have these parties where we can showcase new DJs in the city and, and see what people think. And like, honestly, the, the with with turnout and everything, I'm not like I, I'm I'm confident like people will always show up. And I think that it'll it'll be interesting to see over the next like four or five how the how the crowd shifts from like. Um, people who are just looking to party to people who are looking to intentionally listen to new music and stuff um, and I'm excited to see that because I think it'll show like who's really interested in like coming along with the culture and, and hearing new sounds from all over versus just like going out to get drunk because um, I think that's two very different types of nightlife experiences um, that you can have so that's yeah. fire that's fire that's fire what is something that you don't do now that you want to learn like what do you want to learn about what do you want to get better at right now is there anything you're focused on in that aspect yeah my priority is producing my goal by the end of this this semester before i graduate is to make is to have like four to five songs that i can and i'm planning to get like just features from a ton of different artists i know and like my goal is to have four to five songs that i can confidently be like this is a good song that i'm willing to release and then have like a EP or something later but like right now my producing skills are not as nearly at the quality of any major person right now so I'm trying to just continue to learn every day and I've been like just teaching myself through YouTube and, and this and that because um, everyone has been telling me like you need to start producing you need to start producing so that's kind of what I'm just aiming to do right now is just make sure that I can find make something that i can look at myself and be like this is very quality and i've started to do that with a lot of the flips and the edits that i've done um but they're not as complex as like making something original so i think that i want to okay. start incorporating that a lot more sweet yeah sweet all right two more questions my next question is what is success to you and like what is failure like how do you process those two words um success i'd say for me doesn't come in like a i think it's like those every i can have multiple successes like it's just all those little wins that i was talking about like playing at the the bowery showroom uh event was a success for me but then playing at like i'm playing at pianos on thursday like that if that goes well that'll also be a success for me and i consider those equal because if i don't then it's like all the small stuff that i do i'll just think are just irrelevant and i don't think i should have that mindset towards it um, in terms of like big success, my ultimate success would be to do a boiler room, but that's like far down the line. So I don't think of it as, as much as right now, but, um, failure wise, I don't really, um, like I was talking about earlier, I have this mentality, try to keep this mentality of not being afraid to fail. And I think because of that, I don't think of that many things as like failures. Um, and I try to like, just look at the positives that came out of it. Um, like for example, there was this, uh, there was this, um, like I had a set on Thursday and like not that many people showed up and it was just like, a, it was, there was like maybe 30 people in the spot and it was, it was very calm. Like, and it, I, most people would look at it and say it was a complete failure. It's like a 300 person venue and you've only got like 30 people, which is, which at the end of the day is not good. But what came from that was I got an opportunity to practice on CDJs mixing all my house music and stuff like that which was super great because I'm trying to get more into the, into the house scene as well. Um, so I think that having that experience was like just a learning lesson from, I need to promote better next time. I need to market and do this. I need to, um, in terms of what I actually played, like even though it was only for 30 people, people said they had a good time, but like, I know I could have done these three songs better. So I think like not thinking about it as an overall failure, but just thinking about it as like a learning experience, I think is what I've tried to, uh, what I try to do, I guess. That's crucial. That's crucial. And that, that's kept me going. Mm -hmm. And every time I have feel like I've done things that have failed, it's always like ended up going better in the future because I took that lesson and applied it in a different way. And it's like, oh, if yeah. that stuff didn't happen, I would have never like stacked up and had that consistent progress to be able to get to a point like today. So I, I definitely resonate with that as well. Mm -hmm. um, and my last question is like, 
what is one piece of advice that you would tell the younger version of yourself or, you know, the you that's looking up to you right now? Um, I'd say <clears throat> just implement that idea of progress much. I didn't really, like, start thinking about that idea until, like, a year ago probably. And I think, like, um, or it, it kind of always been in my mind, but not in that form. It, I used to, me and my friends used to have this saying like AOG always on grind. And I always like thought about that, but I was never like, I was, I never thought about it like on a consistent basis. And I think that if I had, um, done that, I would have been much happier in my progress up to that point. Um, like in high school, I was going through. I was playing hockey and I was like never top line. So I was always like trying to make my way up and trying to get better, but I never really thought about it in the small steps. Like each practice, I want to work on this thing and get better at that thing. I was just like, I need to get better. And I think that if you keep it so broad in general, you know, you, you lose sight of what you're doing in the moment to actually improve. And then you don't think you're improving at all. Um, so I think that taking everything like step-by-step, and breaking it down really into like the day and the and the the hour of what I'm going to do in this time that's going to help me progress and check this off the list of something that I need to do um just gives you a lot the small it it breaks down a huge win and you can see like the smaller wins that you can get and then that helps you just not think about like even though the goal is super far like like I was talking about the boiler room or whatever that's way way down the line but I can think about all the things that I need to get to that point and each of those is a win and then by the time I know it hopefully I'll be in that position and I wouldn't have even thought I put in that much work for it so that's, that's the goal I get. that's fire that's fire and I'm gonna just build off your point by saying like you can try to build an entire wall or you could focus on laying each brick as perfect exactly, as possible yeah, yeah. and it's like Absolutely. those small those small things like in order to get to a point where you're doing boiler boiler room, you have to get better. You know what I mean? In order mm-hmm. for that, when that opportunity comes, you're able to not only go into boiler room, but kill it at the same time. Yep. And so I feel like, you know, it's that constant progress that's going to get you there. And so, nah, man, I, I really appreciate your time. And thank you so much for Absolutely. coming on the show. Learned a lot from you. And yeah, can you, is, can you just shout out uh, your socials, where people can find you? And yeah, anything else you yeah. want to shout out? Um, on Instagram, Dennis Free with three E's. Um, and then the collective is level three collective spelled out T T H R E E. Um, and yeah, on SoundCloud, Dennis Free as well. Spotify, Dennis Free. Everything's Dennis Free. <laughs> pretty much, but, um, but yeah, I think, uh, thank you for having me. Very honored to, to be on here. Appreciate you, appreciate you. All right, well, thanks, everyone. We'll see you on the next episode.